We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. A tough win for the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday night over the Atlanta Hawks in South Philadelphia. Welcome to the PHLY Sixers postgame show here alongside Derek Bodner. I'm Devon Givens with you. Derek, a, a big time, you know, pull your hair out kind of performance yeah. for the Sixers as we were sitting here watching the game. But in the end, uh, doing what good teams do, especially with the star player out for the opposing team, they pick up the victory and a walk away with the W for their second win of the week. Yeah, I mean, look, I think this was a game for most, most of the night. It frustrated the ever-living heck out of me. Yep. They had a real trouble uh, stopping any kind of dribble penetration. The Hawks had a million, give or take, offensive rebounds. Uh, it was a really, really frustrating night. And especially coming in, you knew the Hawks didn't have Trey Young. You didn't really know how they were going to manufacture points. And the Sixers gave them almost everything they could have asked for. Like the Sixers set that up so the Hawks could come in there and seal a road when they had no business stealing. But I thought their defensive intensity picked up there down a stretch. They ended up the game, I think it was on a 19-5 to run after the Hawks briefly took a lead in the fourth quarter. And you got another dominant performance. What was it? 38-14 and 14 from Joel Embiid. And they needed every bit of it because, again, they didn't do enough of the little things for most of the night, especially those middle two periods, middle two quarters, um, were frustrating as all heck, but I really did like how they clamped down a little bit defensively there. It felt like that helped ignite them and get them out on the break, got them some easy buckets, really turned momentum on that game at a time where, uh, you know, obviously coming down a stretch, they needed to turn that momentum, but really it felt like that had a chance of getting away from them. Uh, and they, they responded well. 
They responded. They responded like a good team is supposed to. As much as we talk about them being a contending team in this league, and they have been for the last few seasons, not much has changed except for the personnel, of course, and the head coach. But the idea is for them to fix things, get them together, and get back on track. Where we look at them, close games, bad teams, or you know, average teams that you should still win against, especially when they're losing their big player, you have to come out and find a way because we know how things go in the NBA. Game of runs, teams typically play a certain way. They, they, they you know, ignite themselves, where, really, where they light a fire underneath themselves because you feel like the opponent is going to let down against you when you're missing somebody. And the Sixers were up 12 after one, Derek, as they yeah. started the game 35-23. But the Atlanta Hawks, had a 45-point second quarter, 45-27, to to take a 68-62 lead into the half. And as you talked about, both the second and the third quarters, where the Atlanta Hawks, again, after three, for that matter, uh, were still leading the Philadelphia set. Well, pardon me, the Sixers actually took the lead going into the fourth quarter where they were able to get back there where we, again, pulling our hair out, but saying, okay, they're there. Now, can they close out this fourth quarter, especially with Joel Embiid starting the fourth quarter on the bench? But they did what they were supposed to do as a team that we expect them to be in the long run, down the stretch, really fighting for a spot for a championship opportunity. They they did what they needed to do down in that fourth quarter. In that fourth quarter only, as you said, a 19-5 run, 32-22. to So they beat them by 10 to turn that around, yeah. to pick up that defense, to get there. And by the way, Embiid had four block shots in the game overall, two in the fourth quarter. And as, as we talked about the offensive rebounds, the points in the paint, points in the paint 10-8 to eight for the Atlanta, for the Sixers in the in the fourth quarter. Second chance points five to nothing against Philadelphia where they, they really had a problem doing that. But as you said, they clamped down. They didn't allow the three-point makes, the easy looks from the Hawks. And by the way, they also missed a few that were open, but they really locked in. And I even put in my notes at one point when Tyrese Maxey came out of the game right around that three-minute yeah. mark, and they brought in Kelly Oubre. And Maxey might have needed a little bit of a break, but it was also you needed some of that defensive length that Kelly Oubre brought in there with DeAnthony Melton, Batum still on the floor, to kind of clamp down on the perimeter. Yeah, and you do wonder, because that, that happened in the second quarter, too, at the end of the first half, yeah. where Maxi came out for like a minute, a minute and a half uh, stretch there. And it feels like, and I think it is probably just to get him a quick blow so he can be fresh down a stretch. But you wonder if Nick Nurse is trying to figure out his rotations a little bit, like he's been bringing Maxi out pretty early in the first quarter and bringing him back. It feels like he's just getting a couple of very short stints on the bench. Um, you don't want to see that that close to the end of the game. They really needed a strong finish. Um but yeah, it was, uh, look, I think there's a lot of a lot of what we talked about here on our last show and the defensive concerns, yeah. they were highlighted very much in this game. And it, it's as great as the ending was and as great as that run was, the lift of Kelly Oubre, Joel Embiid's dominance, Tyrese Maxey's shot making. It's hard for me to look past how consistently mediocre, and that's probably being nice, this team has been defensively. And the way that they were able to give up 43-point attempts, 23 offensive rebounds. The Hawks legitimately almost rebounded half of their missed shots. Yeah. And look, Clint Capella is a beast on the offensive glass. It's one of the reasons he's been able to stick in the, in, the, in the league and be a rotational player for so long. But they need to clean some of these up if they are going to beat these better teams. And this is a stretch. We talked about the stretch earlier in the week where they have so many teams or games against bad teams. And you can get away with some stuff. But they need to be better defending the point of attack. They and need their perimeter defenders to get through screens. They need to not put their big men into compromised situations 
quite frankly, need a better game out of B-Ball Paul. This was maybe his worst game he's played all year. Uh, he did not play in the second half because of that. But they need to clean some of things up. And they might be able to get away with some of it here because Joel Embiid is going to be able to score 40 points on some of these teams whenever he right. wants to. Uh, but that was a that was a pretty discouraging defensive performance for a team that has not played really good defense here for a month. To your Paul Reed point, that's probably why we saw Mo Bamba yeah. in the fourth quarter to start that fourth quarter. No, it was funny. I was, I was sitting there and because I, I watched the first half from the arena and then I came here. I was sitting there talking to Kyle uh, on press row. I'm like, man, you know, it must be nice for B-Ball Paul because when you have Mo Bamba as your only real threat, you have a pretty long leash and you're able to make a lot of mistakes. Right. And then he made a couple more, and Kyle goes, ah, I don't know how long of a leash he has. And then we saw we saw Bamba there in the uh, in the second half. B-ball Paul was awful. He, he really was. He was awful on both ends. Yeah. He was making bad passes. He was getting rebounds ripped away from him. His defensive rotations weren't there. He was real, real bad. And look, I don't I don't believe in Mo Bamba as a real threat to B-ball Paul. I think that is B-ball Paul's spot um, to lose. I think that should be his spot. He's done more in the NBA at this point than Mo Bamba has. But I don't have a problem going to someone else at times just to send Paul a little bit of a message or at least just get his head on straight because he did not look like he was fully there today. I, I agree. And as we talked about 3.30 mark, Tyrese Maxey comes out. Kelly Oubre checks in. At the 2.26 mark in the fourth quarter, Maxey then returns. And, and when he returns, that means Kelly Oubre stays in the game. Nick Batum then exits. And that's where the Sixers decided to have their Nick Nurse, their closing lineup to finish things off against the Atlanta Hawks. And Derek is absolutely right when it comes to the things at the top point of attack. No, no, Trey Young. You only had DeJounte Murray. You had uh, also a little bit of Trent Forrest and Patty Mills. But those were the guys that were out there for a majority of the time out there on the floor. And they were getting by their defender. Once again, talking about both the Anthony Melton, Tyrese Maxine. Yes, we understand it's a win. But there are some negatives here that we need to discuss. That at the point of attack, and we focused on the defense earlier in the week. We focused on it after the first game of the week against Washington on Wednesday night where they gave up 125 points and you saw the amount of on-ball uh, pressure from the offense. And so we, go, we use that term in reverse here where they put the pressure on the defense to get to the basket, to finish in the paint, which is why we highlighted the number tonight of points in the paint, 48 for the Atlanta Hawks, second chance points, 24 because of those offensive rebounds. When you speak about yep. uh, Clint Capella and uh, Akongwu, you have some of the other smaller guys getting there, mixing it up, DeAndre Hunter, Sadiq Bey as well. They have to figure out, and we've talked about the personnel being good enough where they can, in fact, they should be able to, in fact, because we have already seen it, do this in a 48-minute performance against the team, no matter who it is. Sure, they're professionals on the other side, and they're going to have their good games. They're going to have their good moments. But they have to because, once again, they cannot rely on the back-end defense to clean up their mess, especially when he's had his own little issues from time to time, Joel Embiid, and having to recover and get back and protect the rim because there were some early on where some scoop layups for DeJounte Murray and again all-star level player so he can do that and you, you, you're going to finish against big fellas at the rim occasionally but they definitely have to do that and and tightening up those screws they have the weekend off they're going to get back at it again on Monday when they play their first uh when they play their their first of three games next week two against the Detroit Pistons and uh, on Monday, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, but they have a game on Monday once again that they should be able to, to, to win because it is, in fact, uh, here in Philadelphia. But Joel Embiid, 38 points on the night, 14 boards, 
and we watch him go through everything, 12 of 24 from the floor, only two turnovers, four block shots, three assists, played pretty well, got it, got into it early on, had a good rhythm going, things look pretty good. Yeah. Another performance where it's just ho-hum, Joel Embiid drops 38 and gives you 14 boards. Yeah, and I think this was a great example of the way he can beat you in a number of ways. The first half, I thought he did a good job of getting deep inside. I thought he did a good job pursuing offensive rebounds. I think he ended up with four um, offensive rebounds on the night. I think at least three of them came in the first half. He was a good job pursuing on the glass. Uh, he, Like I said, he was doing a good job of getting deep position, using his body to shield himself from Capella. I thought he did a real good job of establishing that. Then Capella picked up a couple fouls. Uh, I think once Capella got that third foul, he was real hesitant to pick up the fourth foul. Joel took advantage of it um, because Capella was giving him space, trying to deny him the drive. Joel was just rising up, taking those easy jump shots that have become automatic for him. It was just a real calm, collected, comfortable performance. Uh, if you can make 40 points look easy against, mm. a, again, against a pretty good defender in Capella, um, maybe one who has struggled against Embiid at times, but a pretty good overall defender. Embiid made that 38 look very, very easy. This was one where you needed a monster performance from Joel Embiid. They got a monster performance from Joel Embiid. Uh, and in the fourth quarter, he, he carried them at points. Him and Maxi, Maxi was real good as well. And the fact that the defense pressure picked up and they were able to get some cheapies out transition, I thought the Hawks made a number of pretty baffling mistakes. They had a backcourt violation. They almost had another backcourt violation. They had a number <laughs> of bad passes. He had a clear yep. path foul. Like They made a lot of mistakes down the stretch. Some of that came from the Sixers' pressure. But Joel Embiid was front and center for all of them. Really fast. The clear path foul. I had questions during yeah, the game. there were two people there. Exactly. I don't know how it can be a clear path. There yeah. were two people ahead on both teams. Yeah. And Patty Mills fouls Tyrese Maxey right around the half court uh, line. And they that's a clear path foul. Now, normally, we're pretty good with the rules and all. but And I know they changed it and tweaked it a bit. And he fouled them just to foul them to stop it. Yeah. I, I thought that was a take foul more than it was a clear path foul. Yeah, it was a little surprising. I didn't 100%. Maybe because I think there was a Sixers, a Sixers player was the farthest back, so because that hit-ahead pass was there, maybe that's why they considered clear path. I actually don't know the exact rule right. of that, but I was surprised by it. For yeah, sure. yeah. So that was something. But look, Embiid, a phenomenal once again with the, with his numbers. And even though Clint Capella is a very good defender, he's getting a little older, a little long in the tooth. Uh, and Akangwu plays Joel Embiid. Pretty well, also, yep. uh, on the... on. Uh, okay, so Kevin on, on the chat also says he thought it was a take foul uh, as, as well. I thought they called it clear path. Yeah, and now I, I'm, I forgot. I'm looking I at to Rick, back. too, and, and, you know, they he's saying that there has to be a guy there on the other than... Um, so, who knows? I don't know. We'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to it as we go along. But uh, the, the performance from Embiid, he has some really good looks. He has some good shots. Sometimes I did think... Sometimes when we see it from time to time where they he reverts back to when they have their struggles and he feels like he have to do he has to do a little bit more where we sit there and say, all right, you know, and by the way, it was a take foul. Ramage uh, okay. says there uh, on. Thank you. We, we were we were just back there watching. We were looking at stuff and we looked away. We didn't hear it. So I appreciate that you guys checking in. But. Sometimes he can, again, get back to you you're like, all right, don't go to the hero ball part of things. Keep doing what you're doing because it's working as as such, even though they may have their little stretches where they're not hitting hitting their shots or when they turn the ball over a little bit. We know, though, that what Nick Nurse is running in the offense and what it is is still effective and you don't need to revert back to those things. But once again, just one of those performances where you have the reigning MVP and when you have the reigning MVP, the skill set that he has, the type of things that he can do out there on the floor, he can stop the bleeding, if you will, a bit. And certainly, once again, a 50-point 50 50 point performance on Wednesday at 38, uh, dropping that one against the uh, the Atlanta Hawks here tonight. And 
this is what you get from your big fella uh, when you need it. The others, five players in double figures overall, Tyrese Maxey. Put, adding some points to his total of 30 at the free throw line there late as he was 10 for 12, knocking down uh, 10 of 12 there, four made three-pointers, eight of 18. He had a big three-pointer there in the fourth quarter, top of the key, forcing a timeout by Quinn Snyder and the Atlanta Hawks as the game was seemingly out of the way there. Joel Embiid was fantastic. We'll get to the rest of the box score, but there was also a little bit of an issue. We'll talk with you. We'll get to um, Kyle Newback a little bit later from the arena. we check in with him. And we have to talk about Joel Embiid's knee, where he right buckled down. it a little bit right on a drive to the basket. And that's where we will lean on Kyle a little bit for an update on Absolutely. that. Because he is in the press conference right now talking to Nick Nurse. Before that, we want to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. First up, we have AG1, uh, the daily foundational nu- daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I tend to be very rushed in the morning. I wake up late, slow to get going. And my diet tends to suffer because of that. Um... Breakfast is easily my least nutritious meal of the day, so I've added AG1 to my morning routine so I make sure that I get the macronutrients I need to kick my day off right and make me feel like I have everything I need to cover my nutritional basis and win the day. I'm around athletes all day, every day, and all great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. A lot of them also drink AG1, which is why I'm a huge fan. With every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me the key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps just about everybody take great care of their health every day. I also like that it only costs $3 a day. Not bad. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash phly6ers. That's drinkag1.com slash phly6ers. Check it out. Make sure you check it out. And as why you check that out, when we're talking about your performance and getting your body right, let's check in on Chocolate Milk because we have a new sponsor. That's Pennsylvania Dairy Farms and Team Chocolate Milk. Professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for a long time, probably dating back to their youth playing uh, when they were in, you know, maybe, you know, pickup and peewee and getting to their middle school days and certainly AAU all the way to college, all of that. Chocolate milk provides high quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration and calcium for those strong bones. That's why studies consistently show that chocolate milk is an ideal sports recovery beverage. Whether you're recovering after a workout at the gym, a run around Boathouse Row, 48 minutes of a professional basketball game or a bike ride on the Schuylkill Trail, chocolate milk is an ideal post-workout beverage. Taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine. Give your body what it needs to properly recover. What could be better? Than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania. Well, it also tastes great, right? Yeah, it does. Learn more about how chocolate milk can help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. So I guess, like I said, we're going to get an update from Kyle at the arena. But that, you know, after Embiid, he... It looked, I'm just going to say it looked like a sprain, the way he landed on it. He was driving. It looked like he went to stop, and it didn't, it, it just buckled a little bit. He didn't look like he was right for really the rest of the game, whether he was wincing, uh, limping a little bit. He just didn't look like he fully trusted the knee. 
And again, I don't know if we're going to get a great update today. I'll almost guarantee you. I'll say, oh, we'll look at it throughout the night and see how it feels in the morning, yada, 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 do whatever we have to do. I'm a little concerned on that one. Right. It, it seems like one of those ones where like when the adrenaline stops, get a chance to uh, um, sit on it or get off of it for a little bit. I wonder how that's going to react. He just he just didn't look comfortable for the rest of the game. He didn't. And look, sometimes, as we know with Joel Embiid's, oftentimes because of he's always falling and he's always tweaking this, he's always tweaking that. There are times when you look at it and say, all right, is Joel really, oh, uh, you know, is he milking it? Not chocolate milk, but is he milking <laughs> it? You know, something along those lines. You know what I'm saying? No, and, and, and he has JJ that, Reddick always said for years, like he loves drama. Right, I exactly. Don't, I don't think this one was lo- liking drama. And, and that's where I was going, that it doesn't appear that that's, drama related when it comes to Joel Embiid it really does look like he he buckled it uh, on the second replay when we watched it here back at the at the studio we took a peek at it and we were like yeah it does look like he buckled it and, and to your point sometimes when you just keep going and you saw if you did see it on the television uh, broadcast where they had him stretching during the timeout with the resistance bands where someone uh, one of the trainers had him stretching it and doing some things on the sideline during the timeout to keep it loose, to keep him going, to make sure it didn't stiffen up for those final three-plus minutes of action that they needed him to be himself to close out the close games, hard-fought game against the Atlanta Hawks. And that's okay for right now. But what happens where we normally look at and say, all right, it's a good thing because he has some time off. He has two days off. He probably won't have any practice if they get after it on Sunday. Uh, but will the rest, is there some swelling in there? What will it be? Well, look, they have one of the best trainers in the league and Kevin Johnson. So we'll see what they have him doing. Try to get an update as we go along here this evening during the postgame show. Uh, but they do have, if it will be in their favor and somehow work out, they will, in fact, have these two days off of the weekend and before their three-game uh, schedule next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, where hopefully he's okay, he's good to go because you don't want to see it. Do they have enough reinforcements? Maybe, maybe as they host the Washington Wizards on Monday here in Philadelphia. Maybe you should be able to beat the Washington Wizards without them. And if it is a little bit troublesome, you maybe that's where those beat, games. You should be able to beat the Pistons without them too. But I, then again, we would have said that about the Wizards here yeah. uh, on Wednesday. We would have said that about the Hawks here without Trey Young tonight. They've had an easy schedule. They haven't necessarily, you know, there hasn't been a home run so far in these first two games, but you should be able to take care of business without them. That is true. Totally agree. And we did have a uh, super chat that I saw there we from did. Ash Monroe. It says, okay, guys, I will ask what everyone is talking about. Yes, this was part of the notes, Ash. How is Mars playing over Covington, Derek? I have no idea. Thank you, Ash. I have no idea. And Nick Nurse was asked, um, before the game about, you know, which spots in his rotation were locked in. Uh, he did not list Morris or Covington. He said specifically that he's trying to get a feel for those guys. You know, he lists the, obviously the starters. Um, you then had, um, Beverly, Paul Reed, and there was one other than blank on, um, it House seems Springer like, yeah, House, no, no, no. It seems like that is, um, that last spot is up in the air a little bit and he's certainly leaning heavily towards Covington right now, or not Covington, Morris. to Morris right now. I don't know why. It doesn't seem like it fits what we expect out of Nick Nurse and the profile of the player that he wants. You know, he wants, at least based on his Raptors days, sort of like the long, rangy defenders who can help and recover and cause deflections and get them out in transition. He, oh, Oubre was obviously the other one, yeah, the, right. the third one off the bench. Um, he wants those kind of long, rangy defenders who can force turnovers, get them out on the break, 
uh, play a, a, a really aggressive defense. And Morris does none of that. And I don't understand. Look, I don't actually don't think Morris was like the reason why they struggled. Uh, obviously, that stretch to start the second wasn't good, and they were outscored by a lot, and that helped get Atlanta back in the game. Atlanta then came back and ended the first half on a 20-5 to run, so it yeah. wasn't all that group. But there was, I mean, everyone was was bad in that stretch. I think probably led by Paul Reed. That was when Paul Reed was really struggling. But Morris just, he hasn't, I, I don't, when they need an infusion of energy or any kind of defensive help, and you have Covington and Jaden Springer and even Dan House on the bench, and they keep going back to Marcus Morris every night, I just truthfully don't get it. I, I don't get it at all. Would you believe because... All in on the show and the listeners and the viewers and all that stuff. And I'm like, all right, let me put this in my notes. And it's third. It jumped down to third, Derek, because of how the game played out. But I had it as my first thing in my notes as it as it played out early on. And I said, it seems like Covington is the one being squeezed right here. Yeah. With uh, Morris and Oubre getting those minutes right now. And I also wondered how much the solid play from Beverly, even though we know as far as the backcourt goes, he's going to get that call being the ball handler with Oubre. But it wasn't Morris and Covington before when Oubre was out. Uh, I, I mean, pardon me, it, it was those two with them. But now that Oubre is back, someone is being pushed out. And right now it does seem Covington. And because of the personnel, Derek, and everybody out there, I thought that this did lean more towards Covington because yeah. of the rangy, lengthy, athletic guys they had, the shooting ability that you can throw at Bogdanovich. Sadiq Bey and DeAndre Hunter were having good desperately nights. Desperately needed somebody to yes. just contest Bogdanovich. Yes. Just can put a hand up. I don't, I don't. And honestly, like Covington shot the ball well here so far. He's shooting 40% from three with the Sixers, obviously on unlimited sample size. I don't, I truthfully, and look, you can go back to our previous show. We brought up a lot of the defensive numbers and metrics with um, Morris, whether that's the player he's guarding or the team's performance when he's on the floor, specifically the team's performance when he's bad center, which has been a, a catastrophe. I don't like that is a problem that's going to be there every single night. It would be one thing if they had no other options and he was just the ninth man. You had to play somebody here. Here he is being thrown out there for the token 10 to 15 minutes, but you're just going to hope that they find a way to get through it. You have other options. You have other options that are playing pretty well. All of Springer, House, and Covington, they're not perfect by any means, but they have all brought energy and activity and production defensively. I don't get why he's just penciled in for 15 a night. I tr truly don't. I, when he was added, it was he was supposed to be a $17 million filler that they use in February. I'm really surprised he's getting this, this much and this consistent burn. Now, a couple of things. To be fair, as Derek pointed out, Morris didn't play horribly out there. He was part of a group, and there wasn't anything that we could typically – point out and highlight, hey, the spotlight was on Marcus Morris because he didn't do this. He didn't slide his feet here. That was his man that got uh, four quick points on offensive rebounds. As far as a team defender went, he was fine. And I, I also saw that Money Mar in the chat pointed that out too, that he wasn't, his help defense was good enough tonight. It was the overall team, as we pointed out, that is still getting, giving up a lot of points. And during that run of the Hawks, he happened to be out there on the floor. That said, it doesn't really point out why Covington wasn't out there on the floor. And, and, and that's, that's the thing that, of course, we're trying to drive home and try to figure out ourselves and maybe even uh, get Kyle's thoughts on this a little bit later because we don't know. We, yeah. have, we have no idea as to why that, that played out that way. Now, look, he had, a, he had his only shot attempt, Marcus Morris, I believe it was, off the top of my head, it was a three-pointer uh, that he did 
Great pass from Tyrese Maxey as he drove the baseline, drew the defender, and typically he'll float it, throw it up off the glass. But he decided no. Point guard whipped that ball to the corner. Marcus Morris wide open. I think I put him up. That was Time out. And then the first quarter, right? Yeah. I think I put him up twelve. That was a good little stretch. Mm-hmm. I think if I, my my gut probably tells me this truly is just Nick Nurse trying, trying things find, out. Yep. Seeing having a new player, seeing how he fits, seeing what lineup combinations work or don't work. I don't have too much. I, this is probably just one of those stretches throughout a long season that are just going to annoy you, but it's probably not a major deal. But I do get frustrated watching him play. Even just, though tonight he was Especially okay. like the last time mean, we, we brought up the defensive metrics um, and really how bad the team defense has been for a month now. Mm-hmm. We brought that up in the last show. And it's great that they're playing a, a cakewalk schedule right now. They can rack up the wins even while playing poorly on one end. But it's just the defensive struggles have been consistent for long enough. I would just like to see somebody else provide some energy on that end. Uh, just try things up. And on Monday, Monday, maybe we will find out that Robert Covington is the first one, first wing outside of Kelly Oubre off the bench against the Washington Wizards. Maybe, maybe against Detroit, both of them play. And with the struggles right now, Paul Reed, maybe he tries to, as he's tinkering with the personnel, the lineup, trying to figure things out. Maybe he does go where I know Kyle and Derek would want him to go. And most of you won't. Maybe some small ball. I don't know. But uh, as he's trying to figure it out, it is a little frustrating because we can't figure it out when we might have a better hold on what's what's the rotation, when they like to come into it, when he likes to sub these guys in the game, as we pointed out the maxi piece coming out of 3.30 mark in the fourth quarter when you're trying to win a game and you're you know, maybe down 109, 106, and you're like, what's happening here? And then he comes back in a minute later just to give him a little bit of a breather. That's something that just caught my eye, caught Derek's eye, certainly caught Ash's eye to share that thought in the Super Chat uh, to get that out there because it is something which is not much of anything, honestly. No. Because they did get the win and, and like Morris I said, played okay minutes. Pretty much right from the jump. There were so many defensive breakdowns here today that Marcus Morris honestly wasn't even towards the top of my list of today's game. But Ash asked why he was in the rotation. I don't think he should be in the rotation. We talked about that a lot in the previous show. He's just not a good enough defender day to day. And really my, my complaint here on today's game would be You've had these defensive struggles for so long. Just try something new. Yeah. They have different options on the bench. I would like to see those different options. And to line it up for you all, 15 minutes and 40 seconds for Marcus Morris tonight. Hit his only shot attempt at three-pointer that we talked about. Had three boards, three personal fouls during that time. One block shot as well. Kelly Oubre off the bench in his second game back with 11 points. Uh, Also getting after it. Active down the stretch, 23 minutes. Patrick Beverly, five points. And Patrick Beverly in 18 minutes, he hit... He got the end one. He had a, a runner there again along the baseline that you're looking at Patrick Beverly. You're like, all right, he's playing pretty good. He's some 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 up in your face defense that that he's well known for, and, and getting those putting that pressure there as as Patrick Beverly is yep. known to do, uh, playing a pretty good. He's really the one player on the roster right now I trust to get over a screen. And when we talk about Totally agree. You know, the way that they are struggling right now on the perimeter and the way Joe has to constantly help because they're getting tri- dribble penetration. Uh, Pat Beverly is the one guy that I trust not to have that happen. Totally agree. Totally agree. And if you guys want to hang out with us, maybe next Friday, a week from tonight, yeah, we'll be at the arena as the Sixers host the Detroit Pistons for the second of a home and home. And for that, maybe you have to, you know, if you can't get in with us with our limited tickets, you might be able to buy some 
out there for a lot of folks, yeah. and that is with Game Time. To, to, to Devon's point, we are having a meetup, uh, so go to allphly.com. You can check, uh, check the Wells Fargo Center takeover. We will be at the game. We will have a bunch of tickets for sale. Uh, so again, go to allphly.com. Check that out. There's an events link on the top of the screen. Uh, outside of that, if you want to go check in on your now 14-7 and seven basketball team, Game Time is the place to do that. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and a best-price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget yeah. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set, with tickets sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hope to see you all there on Friday. I see Dan Murphy says, I'll be there hanging out with us. Maybe Derek and Kyle will sign your jersey or your, your PHLY gear as you hang out with us on, on that Friday night. And three-game week, four-game week, actually, because they play a Saturday game against the Charlotte Hornets on the road, second night of a back-to-back for the Sixers as they host the Pistons and then travel to Charlotte to take on the LaMelo Ball-less Hornets. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what they do next week. It's part of the the stretch there that we said, those six games where they should really pick up and rack up some W so far, 2-0 and this week. We'll see what they do next week. Let's talk about some things that were done pretty well out there. Maxi finished with 30. Again, a lot of that came late with the free throws, but he did hit some big shots, that big three-pointer. He had in the uh, fourth quarter only, Derek, he had 16 points, Tyrese Maxey did, in the fourth quarter, finishing with 30. He knocked down his lone three, got to the free throw line eight times in that fourth quarter knocking down seven of them again a few of them were because they were just those take fouls at the end as the Hawks saw where things were going but they had to take their fouls but overall another good floor game seven assists no turnovers one block shot 38 minutes and 53 seconds of play eight of 18 from the floor another really good performance from Tyrese Maxey yeah I mean this is is pretty much a quintessential Tyrese Maxey performance eight threes made four of them got to the free throw line didn't commit a turnover Made the passes he needed to make. You mentioned that one to Marcus Morris in the corner. Made a couple of really nice passes. Just a really good all-around game. Uh, put pressure on the rim. I really, outside of the fact that he was a part of, of their problems on the defensive side of the floor with the dribble penetration, offensively, this was, if you're going to talk about Tyrese Maxey playing a supportive role to Joel Embiid, this was, a, a like I said, a quintessential textbook game that you would want from him. Um, his ability to just come off of the screen and fire away from almost anywhere on the floor at full speed, off of all kinds of movement, the diversity in his offensive and his shot profile, uh, it really is just incredible to watch. Yeah, and at, at that pass that we keep highlighting to Morris in the corner, the very next possession, he came down, pick and roll situation with Tobias Harris. Tobias had a really good roll, short mm-hmm. roll, right there in the middle of the floor. Easy bounce pass to him in the middle of the floor for an easy finish for Tobias Harris once again. So he's we're seeing some things again. Sometimes he'll go back to, all right, we understand that he's not a traditional and pure point guard, 
as we know that he is a scorer, but learning on the job and the way that he has done it, which still gives me that confidence that he can do this later on as the season goes along and certainly in the postseason, you see these things where he makes these, he makes the correct pass. And because of those passes, we know the defense then has to figure out, well, how are we going to play it? The speed is, he kills with the speed. His passes are on point now, both to Embiid and some of the others, as we just highlighted two of those right there. And he even had one where he, he probed it a little bit, got to about the right side of the floor, free throw line extended, pulled up and hit a mid-range 15-foot, 16-foot jumper and knocked it down. And then saying, okay, you're taking what the defense is giving you. That's what you need to do. And that's something that Tyrese Maxey did often tonight against that team, up against a very good defender, by the way, when we're talking about an all-NBA level defender in DeJounte Murray, where he was doing that against someone with that length, right. that creativity on defense that he has. And he, he was just phenomenal. And that, again, is why many of us, including Derek and Kyle, feel good about him this season. Again, as the season goes along, we'll see how it gets to the postseason. But really good night tonight against a solid defender in DeJounte Murray. Yeah. No, look, I mean, I, 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 I think DeJounte is probably a little overrated uh, as an on-ball defender. I think he's an incredible off-ball defender, takes a lot of gambles, comes up with a lot of steals. He can be beat at times one-on-one, uh, -on -one, but he is still above average. He might be overrated and still be above average because I think some people talk of him like an all-defensive guard. I don't necessarily think that's the case. That being said, it's, it's a, with his size and his length, uh, that could be at least a tough matchup. For Tyrese Maxey, I thought he handled it well. Um, he's just done such a good job of developing enough as a passer, developing that that um, dribble handoff game with Embiid, which is something he really didn't have in his arsenal at all last year. Um, he's already surpassed points off of dribble handoffs this year than he had last year, uh, and we're real, still really early in. He's just learning how to take sort of like that pairing with Embiid and make the most out of maybe what's not a true point guard, but he's able to find ways to create for his teammates. I'm very happy with ways. And what do you attribute to, again, the, the amount of times he got to the free throw line tonight, 12, a few of those in a stretch yeah. as the game played out. But for the most part, man, he was really getting to the free throw line, legit fouls, attacking the basket, forcing them to make a decision. What do you attribute that to from what you saw tonight? Yeah, I mean, look, he's, I think when you're able to just get to the spots like he is, eventually he's going to figure that out. And that's something that I think maybe... If you're looking at his, his overall game, first step in him becoming a, a great player was the three-point shot. Second step is sort of becoming a, a more of a natural lead guard and, and a creator. And that third and final step is really being able to draw fouls. I think that last step is taking a little bit of time, but he just puts so much pressure and gets to his spot so quickly. Um, he just got in the paint enough. And if you get there enough, you're going to get fouled. He's he's really good game. Again. Very good game. We have another super chat. Uh, okay. Apologies if I struggle on the name, unless Derek, you can help me out on this one. I think uh, I said Baba Gide last Baba time. Baba is where I, I was going to go, but that's where we're going to stay. So here, here's what I'll say. Like, hold on. Uh, we have Kyle at the arena. He is, is at the press conferences. We don't have him on yet, but he will check in at some point here in the last, uh, last couple segments of the show. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So we don't know. And uh, to follow that, we had a question also from Jake M just asking that if, if, if he can't go against the Wizards, should they play small ball? And we've typically seen where Jake, like Doc Rivers in the past, so far this season, it seems that Nick Nurse wants to stick with his normal rotation 
And because of that, Paul Reed would come off the bench still while he would start Morris or someone else at the five. And the only question is, did he lose a little bit of faith and trust in Paul Reed simply because we saw Mo Bamba to start the fourth quarter instead of Paul Reed because he had such a difficult night against the Atlanta Hawks where he might go there. I don't think he would start Mo Bamba, but it's, you know, it's possible that it's sort of been frustrating because I think he's been hesitant to start Paul Reed. Yeah. Which I hope doesn't mean that you should But start- again, is it because of the same way that Doc Rivers did, you just don't want to mess with your yeah, rotation. Yeah, no, I think that is what it is. And I think he, he wants to keep Paul in a role where he feels like he can excel and he's comfortable and, and doesn't want to change too much for him. The problem is that means you're either starting Marcus Morris, which he's done, or Mobamba, which he shouldn't. Neither are good options. I've spoken a lot about how bad the Sixers defense has been with um, Marcus at center. That's not a good option. I would honestly rather them go, you know, Nick Batum has played some small yeah. ball center in the past. Yep. Robert Covington has played some small ball center in the past. I would rather try out those options than go to either Morris or Bamba. I don't disagree. Now you're going to have some activity, Daniel Gafford, and we're going, we're getting way too far ahead of it, but you're going to have an active five there. And while he's heavily relying on offensive rebounds and everybody else getting him shots to get his points on the board, he's very active on the offensive glass, on the defensive boards, where you're going to have to team rebound, box out, and, and make sure you get your hands on those, those basketballs because the guy can get after it, as we know, watching Daniel Gafford over the years. So uh, that's that's one thing. All right, should we get there? Corey mentioned, I just want to bring this up, but Corey mentioned uh, wish Batum would foul three-point shooters. I think Maxi had a couple jump shooters as well. That was overall a problem. Uh, but yeah, I just want to bring that up because he did, I, I agree. There's a little too much fouling of jump shooters here. Jake says, uh, what about... Um, KJ at center. Well, that's not going to happen, Jake. I just his, don't... his pops would have been a good option. Oh, no question. No question. I just don't think that's going to happen because we haven't seen him get yeah. any minutes. So I don't think he's going to jump in and, and do that. No, if you can make that Kenyon Martin, not Kenyon Martin Jr., uh, sure. <laughs> we, we might be bring on me, to something. Kind of prime Kenyon. If that happened. Uh, while we wait on Kyle and uh, we get Kyle back in here, uh, asking you quickly about the Anthony Melton backcourt, 45 points, 15 of which came from the Anthony Melton. I thought even though, you know, six for 13, just under 50% from the floor, he got up seven three-pointers and they were good looks. So yeah. I didn't have a problem with with how he performed. Six boards, five assists, one block, one steal, one turnover. No, I mean, look, I'm never going to complain good. about, like if you give me a, a 38 to 40% three-point shooter, if he's able to find a way to get seven decent looks a game from three, fire away. I'm not going to complain if you have one night where you only shoot two for seven. That's yeah, fine. I, I thought he was good. Again, active on defense while we, complain about some things at the head of that defense at the top to make sure you stop all that dribble penetration getting to the lane. The one thing that we do know is that he's going to give the effort and he's certainly going to make sure he does that on the other end. So a 15 point performance uh, as far as it goes for the Anthony Melton, some good looks out there. I thought he was solid uh, fighting through those screens. He does it seems like he, you know, try to, he he does it a certain way that's different from Patrick Beverly and it was better last season. This season, not as much. But offensively, I thought to get the 15 from him, his shooting is back in general. And I thought he was pretty solid when it comes to the contribution that the Anthony Melton gave. No, I mean, look, when, the one thing I will not complain about is, like, if, let's say, Melton makes four out of seven three instead of two out of seven, mm-hmm. you don't really have, like, you're going to have some nights where you get good shots, you take them, they don't go in. That's fine. It's decision-making, it's effort, it's confidence. Like, I would much rather have the Anthony Melton shoot two for seven than Tobias Harris shoot 0 for one from three. 
I was sitting there, you know, <laughs> Tobias Harris got a first quarter, got a pretty wide open slot three that he missed. Left wing. And I, again, I looked at I looked at Kyle and I said, that's the only one he's taken tonight. And you look down, 33 minutes, five for nine from the field. That's great. I thought he did a good job of getting some early offense opportunities, getting some stuff out in transition, able to attack the rim and get some unset defense. That's fine. He did not take another three-pointer over the last like 28 minutes or so of play from Tobias. That can't happen. That's got to stop happening. That's frustrating the ever-living heck out of me. Tobias Harris just needs to shoot. And look, he's not going to be a perfect player even with that, but he can be a better version of himself if he just fires away. That should have been three, four, five attempts tonight. And before the game, Nick Nurse was talking about it. When asked about the struggles that he's going through, you've had others from his teammates also, hey, we just want him to keep being himself. He's doing good things, other good things out there that's contributing yeah. to the win. But and I'll give him credit. I thought he was pretty good on the glass. Like he had sure. some rebounds where he swooped in from the perimeter. Yep. Showed maybe a little more physicality than he does sometimes. I'm fine with that. I'm, like I said, I thought he did a good job getting early offense opportunities. I, and defensively, he is what he is. Um, but I thought he was at least decent tonight one-on-one. They just, like, just freaking take a three. That's all. I feel like it's a simple ask. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go in there and get, take a three. Because there was one on the wing, as Derek was talking about, the one that he missed. thought he had a really good look on one of them that he was on the wing. He hesitated. The closeout got there quickly enough. And with that closeout, he then decided to put the ball on the floor. But since he was so undecided, he didn't have a quick burst with it as he was looking to attack the basket. It was more of a slow kind of movement there that it was affected by that closeout that was there before that made him think too much about what happened previously. And as a result, it gave his defender enough time on that closeout to get in there and get in there and recover and defend. And it's just when the other team knows that you don't want to take that three, then they help off of you. 100%. And it makes Joel Embiid's life tougher. It makes Tyrese Maxey's life tougher. It even makes Kelly Oubre's life tougher. All of those driving lanes close up. All of those post-ups become a little more crowded. You just need him to fire away, not just because of the chance that he will make it or the points that you'll get from it, but because of the spacing and how it influences how the other team defends you. They just, I don't know what's going on right now. Like he's had one, I think he's had like two or fewer three-point attempts in like four or five straight games. Mm -hmm. They need that to stop. Absolutely. And before we further our conversation, get into a little more of the game, let me tell you about FOCO. If you look here on the set with Derek and I while we uh, catch up with with Kyle, FOCO is a leading manufacturer. You can see some of the things here behind us of sports and entertainment in merchandise with the product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. Best officially licensed gear for all sports and fans out there. It's a fish, it's foot, it's football and tailgating season. Big game on Sunday for the Birds in Dallas. Hey, if you want to support support your team with some overalls, some hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO is the place to go. FOCO has PHLY hooked up and provided some awesome pieces once again for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Uh, again, uh, sitting here and looking at my notes here as as we discuss a few of these things, the Covington piece we already got to, some of the others, Mo Bamba. Uh, but, you know, they turned it up. And when we talk about De'Anthony Melton in that defense, a little bit later he had a big defensive play down the stretch where he tipped the ball from behind 
against the Atlanta Hawks. I believe it was DeJounte Murray. Nick Batum recovered the, recovered the ball, big kick ahead, and a two-handed finish for DeAnthony Melton to extend part of their, their 12-0 run to take a 118-109 lead uh, with just under two minutes to go. And that's what we're talking about, with the way they're closing these games, the way that they are a veteran team, a team, as we heard during the broadcast, I heard Allah say, a mature team, if you will, as we talk about them being a contender. But that's just one of the things that we see with this team. We get frustrated and frustrated and frustrated about this group. And then what do they do down the stretch? They do, they do just enough, of course, to get the win, but not enough where we don't have to point it out <laughs> because of how sure. they got there, which yeah. is why we called it a hard-fought win. Yeah. No, it was – I mean, it was certainly like – Midway through the fourth, you went, man, I can't believe they're going to lose this game to, a, you know, a Hawks team that can't defend Embiid, that is playing without Trey Young. What's going on? Um, and a lot of that was frustrating. The second quarter specifically was incredibly frustrating, but their defense for much of it was their effort on the glass, effort defending in transition. But first of all, they had the two best players on the floor. Yep. That helps you win games. Mm-hmm. They got enough contributions from guys like Kelly. Nick Batum I thought was good. We didn't really talk about either of them, but I thought they were big. Um, even Patrick Beverly at times, it got enough contributions, the Anthony Melton we talked about, that they were able to overcome it. And sometimes throughout the course of the season, we can sit here and be frustrated because we we talk about each game. Yep. You just need to pull out some of these wins. And at the end of the year, um, these games, they're not all going to be pretty, but they execute down a stretch. And like I said, started off the show with, I thought the fact that they were able to up their defensive intensity in the last few minutes after not really having any defensive intensity for much of the night, just long enough to pull out a win. It was encouraging, even if their overall trend defensively is not. And I think we have... We do. Attempt number three here with Kyle. Look who has control of the mute function now, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. I'm going to blame all of this on Austin Krell, who decided he was going to sit next to me while I recorded this hit. So he's... Changing the voodoo somehow. This is all Austin's fault. Is he in, the, is he, is he in the chat right now? Austin, if you're in the chat, you're free no, to defend when I, yourself. I mean, look, I, I'm, no, I can No, we don't need to give him airtime. Don't see? reward him for this. Come on now. <laughs> he has been desperate to get on the show. He don't blew give him it. That. You know, well, it was this his is his fault. only he was opportunity. One, he was the one pressing the mute button. He was the one Gosh. doing it. So we blame Austin Krell. Kyle, thanks for joining us, of course, live from the arena as the Sixers pick up their 14th win on the season, their second this week, their second in a row. And uh, while it was a hard-fought one, as, as we talked about, the first thing we want to ask about is, is there any update that you are able to share with us on Joel Embiid and that knee? Yeah, so we talked to both Nurse and Joel himself after the game. Uh, Nurse gave us the impression that the initial read from Simon, their head of medical, was that it's something that they'll have to check back in on tomorrow, that it's something that Joel will sleep, see how he feels when he wakes up. Is there swelling? Is there pain? You know, any lingering effects? So we're not going to really know anything for now. Uh, Joel's indication, though, in the locker room was that he thinks he's going to be okay, doesn't think it's a serious thing. He twisted it a little bit. Obviously, watching him grimace and grab at his knee, do all that for – a few minutes, honestly, yeah. after he took a spill, I, it made me panic slightly. And there was actually even further down the line than that. He took a couple of free throws, and I think it was for points 37 and 38, picked up his leg after the first free throw and is you know shaking it out, making some faces. And that's when I was like, oh, this might be a thing. So his indication was positive, but 
we'll see tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, no, he he certainly did not look right pretty much the rest of the game. Uh, that will be curious to see how that plays out. Luckily, they have a couple games off, and then they have a couple games against, or a couple days off, and then a couple games against less than stellar competition. But then again, they've had less than stellar competition these last two and needed every bit of his performances to win them. So we will see. Um, overall, I guess, what was your thoughts on... We'll, we'll start off with the positive. What were your thoughts on Joel Mead's overall performance tonight, what he was able to do, the different ways he was able to dominate? I thought he was really good. To your point, Derek, early in the game, you know, they got him a touch in the post against Clint Capella right away, but a lot of his early offense was just offensive rebounding, attacking the glass, scoring off of those, getting fouled off of those. So that's awesome. You like Devon, I've bitched to Derek tons about I want Joel to be as good of a rebounder as I think he's capable of being. And that stretch in the first quarter certainly showed that. Now, as the game wears on, I thought Joel went back to more of the mid-range and the face-ups and the pull-ups, and he got into that in more in the third quarter when they're trading baskets for a little bit. And if he didn't get going, I don't know what happens in that game. They might end up losing that game by 5, 10 points. But he allows them to hang around long enough that when the defense finally picked up, they're able to take the lead and you know hold the Hawks off in the end. Also just gave them fits, Akongwu and Capella, with the rip-through move, which, funny enough, we were at his locker at one point recently talking about officiating and changes that have been made over the last couple of years. And Joel's like, you know, you haven't really seen me use the rip-through a lot this year because it's yeah. something that I think the league has cracked down on. Well, he went to that a ton in the second half tonight, got himself a lot of the trip, a lot of trips to the free-throw line. So... It was good to see the diversity there. And, and frankly, after that, the grabbing at his knee moment, thinking that he's hurt, I still thought he was able to leave a huge two-way impact on that game after the knee issue. I thought made some really good plays at the rim on defense, whether they were blocks or just contests, a couple big buckets, and that's about all they needed. And keeping with the positivity uh, overall, Tyrese Maxey, another good game, the floor game as well with seven assists, but the 30 points – and to have it where he scored so many in, in the fourth quarter alone where, Kyle, he dropped 16 in that fourth. And as I was saying to Derek during the during our show here, is that, yeah, a few of them were down the stretch because the Hawks were just fouling as the game got out of hand. But 16, eight free throws and big three-pointer from the top of the key that forced that timeout as they started to really stretch away from him. But once again, a, a really good game overall. We were starting to see these, well, we continue to see, pardon me, these good things about Tyrese Maxey, not only as a scorer, but also as a point guard, highlighting the Mars kick to the corner for the three-pointer, a short roll on the next possession with Tobias Harris, where he finished off of, off of that pick and roll. We're seeing so many things that we like and still zero turnovers. Yeah, look, I, I mean, everyone will probably focus on the fourth quarter and all those points and you know, the closing kick, because that's what people remember at the end of basketball games. But to your point, Devon, I thought that stretch in the second quarter is some of the best overall point guard play we've seen from him. You know, he throws the hesitation move, blows by a defender, hits Morris in the opposite corner, the pocket pass to Tobias, hits a mid-range pull-up, hits a three off a dribble handoff with Joel Embiid. And, you know, normally with Tyrese, there's two different modes. He can. It, it's hard for him to straddle between playmaking Tyrese and aggressive scoring Tyrese at the same time. And I thought that run during the second quarter is maybe the best example of that. 
Now, look, if he's going to be a guy who scores 16 points in the third quarter, I don't care if he play makes basically ever again because <laughs> you score 16 points a quarter, you're the greatest basketball player of all time. But it, it's been amazing. And, and we did talk to him about the, the no turnovers that apparently his dad won a, a state title when he was growing up. He told this story after the game. He said you know, his dad t- always likes to brag and tell him he only had one turnover in the five games during the state playoffs. Tyrese was not able to win a state title. And he says, taking care of the basketball, probably a big reason why. And so that's that lesson has been passed down from father to son. And I think Tyrese having gone through the playoff gauntlet, also something that he said, it teaches you the value of ball security and not giving other teams extra possessions. And the two Tyrese's, Tyrese Halliburton, also no turnovers in what, two straight games, like 48 assists? He is is unbelievable, man, that guy. Yeah. To your point, Wilt averaged 12 and a half points per quarter one year. So 16 probably would make Tyrese the best best basketball player of all, of all time. time, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, You know, we were sitting there uh, in the first half watching the Paul Reed stint, and I made a joke that, boy, when you have Mo Bamba behind you, you tend to have a long leash. You can make a lot of mistakes. And you said, well, how long? How much more leash does he have? Because he's playing pretty bad. The Bamba. classic writer's curse from Bodner <laughs> yeah. over there. <laughs> Bamba then came out, was a backup center in the second half. Uh, did... Nick, talk about that all. Uh, what do you think of the decision? Do you think this carries over at all? So he didn't highlight Paul specifically. He basically just said, I hated the entire second quarter. Oh. And I think, that, I think that was a way for him to say that Paul sucked and didn't play well <laughs> and he wanted to try something else without actually throwing Paul under the bus, which might show that he's learned something from the end of the Toronto stint. (laughs) Yeah, where he he did attack some guys individually in the media. Now, maybe we get there at some point. But yeah, I I think he was able to dress it up a little bit. And look, frankly, that second quarter was horrendous on many levels. I think Atlanta finished on a 20 to 5 run Mm -hmm. or something like that. Bad transition defense, a lot of offensive rebounds for the Hawks. So he wanted to change something, and I think probably the easiest place to go other than Marcus Morris, which, in fairness, he didn't really do anything too terrible tonight. I think it's more that he's now playing over Robert Covington, I, I think is – and look, Devon's doing his little victory dance over there. That was my next there. question, yeah. Well, so, yeah, I'll, I'll lead right into that because Nick actually was asked about why Marcus as the essentially the backup wing spot because there are a few guys I think are probably competing for that position. I didn't necessarily love his answer. It was a lot of platitudes about, you know, veteran presence and toughness and things like that. And look, I I think we would probably all agree on his best day. Marcus does bring those things, right? Like I'm not totally against the, that concept, but I don't know that I saw that tonight. And I certainly think you can get a lot of that stuff from Cov, who I think is probably a more reliable two-way guy at this point. And one of the things that we were talking about with it is especially against the opponent where you had three wings going off in Hunter, Bogdanovich, and Sadiq Bey. Why not have a more lengthy guy out there, if not both, if you're going to give somebody some run? Yeah, so that's going to be a wait-and-see thing. I will say, and Derek was in the arena for pregame, Nick said essentially they have like eight-ish guys or eight guys that are locked in rotation-wise. So the starters, Reed, Oubre, and Pat Bev. And those last two spots are kind of flexible. I do think there's probably something to 
Cove played when he first got here, right? He was kind of immediately in the rotation as well as Batum. And now Marcus is getting his run. So maybe this is just a matter of he gets a couple weeks, you see what he's got, you go back to somebody else. But yeah. I don't know. We'll see because I feel like this happened in L.A. too where there are a lot of fans and media who expected Cove to play more and Ty Lue went away from him. And Marcus Morris has been a high-minute guy for quite a long time. So we're going to have to see how it shakes out. Yeah, that's sort of the conclusion I was talking up to Devon with earlier that I think Nick's still trying to get a uh, feel for the roster, give Marcus a chance, see how see which lineup combinations work, which don't. Um, I don't think this is something we're gonna. I guess I don't know, um, but I will. I will. I will try to not focus on it too much here because it is a long season and they do have to figure it out. I don't think I have any more for Kyle here. Do you have yeah, I. I just the the offensive rebounds. You look just you plus plus nine for the Atlanta Hawks, and we know that they get after. We know how good Clint Capella is and Akangwu also. And Joel Embiid cannot do it by himself. He did have 14 boards to 16 of Capella's, but those guys combined both Akangwu and Capella. Capella had 10 offensive rebounds and four for Akangwu in his 18 minutes, 14 from your centers, 10 offensive rebounds. It just seemed like they wanted it more, and maybe it's one of those – that's them in general. But you also saw others getting in there, and you have that theory of your best player not being there. You get a little bit more uh, when, when players are out there. But that was something that really stood out again, those second-chance opportunities. And as a result, they were a plus 17 in shot attempts from the field, which is a big reason why I kept them in the game. Yeah, and so there's probably a bunch of things going on there, right? They they play a small backcourt, the Sixers, for the majority of games now, right? Whether it's Maxie and Melton. And Melton's long, and he can rebound. He's athletic, but still shorter than a lot of traditional two guards, right? So you work from a deficit there. Uh, I think, to your point, they have good offensive rebounders on the Hawks, and there were some plays, I would say specifically in the first half, where I was really irritated with Tobias Harris, where I didn't think he attacked the glass as hard as he should have. And guys were able to beat him to loose balls that I thought he had the inside edge on. Now, to his credit, I thought Tobias played tougher, more physical in the second half, but he had a nice bounce back after you know starting slow in that regard. But Atlanta just kept coming. And Devon, you made the exact point. Like I think with Trey out, these guys knew they were going to have to cobble together a win in some other way other than just like outscoring or like being a more efficient team than the Sixers. So that was hitting them in transition. I thought the Sixers transition defense in the first half, second quarter specifically was really bad. Luckily they tightened that up, but yeah, look, it's a lot of this stuff we talked about this week, guys, where I, I, I think it's about playing 48 minutes and staying locked in for these guys. I think certainly when they locked it down in the fourth quarter, end of the third, I thought you could see a lot of what we saw early in the regular season, including from someone like Maxi. Like as much as we talked about the offense and the 16 points in the fourth quarter, had some great possessions against DeJounte Murray down the stretch, forcing some turnovers. So I think it really is about if Nick wants Joel challenging shots, going after blocks, so on and so forth, they got a gang rebound. It's got to be a group effort, and I think they lost sight of that at times tonight. Well, should be a fun one. Real fast, before we let you go, uh, your thoughts on the in-season tournament where you have the Lakers and the Pacers, man, on Saturday. 
And I, I knew you, you guys all week have been dying to talk about. <laughs> we, we had to, right? We missed it yesterday. We got to get it. it's the championship, Derek. Come on, Kyle. What do you think? Well, listen, I'm excited to watch basically any Indiana Pacers they game fun. at this yeah. point. I would also say a big shout out to LeBron, who has won as much as he's won. He's in the everybody's top whatever at this point, top three, top five for the the haters, I suppose. But that guy came into that Pelicans game on a goddamn mission while Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and those guys looked like they were at Spearmint Rhino or some other strip club in Vegas until 6 a.m. the night before. So I respect the shit out of LeBron for in year 21 or whatever it is, being as competitive as he is. So I think that versus how the Pacers play and they get up and down and they run and Halliburton's so awesome. I'm really excited to watch that tomorrow. Derek can be a hater all he wants. I know he's he's probably just bitter like I am because I'm not we're not in Vegas yes, for this. Absolutely. Like that's the whole thing. Hey, I, I would have been be there, there with, with the you guys. And I'm, I'm upset. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited Imagine to watch it. Imagine if on your first it. week at the job you were in Vegas. Talk about spoiled. Man. Oh, man. You know, three three months off, go to Vegas. Ah, come on. You can't tell me anything. So I don't know about you, but. I'm taking LeBron in the high stakes game over the young upstart team, but you know, we'll see. I think it's going to be a good one. Hey man, it should be fun. And you know what, Kyle, we'll talk about it on Monday uh, as, as it plays out. Yes, we will. As you much as it I, pains Derek. Derek doesn't want in on this. He, you know, we, we <laughs> wanted part of the purse that whatever the prize money was, <laughs> we wanted some of that. Listen, man, get home safe. Thanks for checking in. Of course. And we'll be right back in the same spot on Monday as the Sixers host the wizards. Thanks man. See you fellas. All right, you got it. Yeah, man, I mean, you don't, it's you don't, actually been pretty, the floor was hideous. Devon, I yes. love you. You yes. do not deserve to be in Vegas this week. You've got to put in a couple <laughs> weeks of work before you get a trip in. I agree, even though, all right, fair point. Fair <laughs> now, point. Kyle and I, we should be in Vegas. Sure, you should be sitting back here like producing the stores. <laughs> I would say that I did earn it just for other reasons. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lifetime achievement award. Lifetime achievement. Thank you, you man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. But um the floor was hideous. Yep. I read that they asked the Lakers not to wear the black uniforms, the city okay. edition uniforms, okay. because of the clash with the floor. Sure. You can't complain to them about their uniform and choice. Design a decent floor. Yeah. When that's for that reason. The in season tournament, they're letting them wear those uniforms. Design a better floor. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. I, I I think I was skeptical on the in-season tournament coming in. So I think was it was I. way more attaining, entertaining than I expected it to be. I think the players and the coaches took it more seriously than I expected it to be. I think it's fun that we have like a point differential mattering in the regular season. Just change a change of courts. That's my old that really those 100%. are my only notes for next year. Just change of courts. They don't have to be that off the wall, get a, a really good logo, maybe a slight tweak here in the colors every now and then, um, but a little more reserved for the courts. And I think you have a good product. Totally agree. Totally agree. And real fast for the money part, when Kyle says they were just hanging out, you know, they're just taking the 50000 and they're going home. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're like, you know what, 50000 and, and let's go home. I look at it and I kind of say, yeah, Zion let them down. I mean, yeah. He just looks so out of shape and... Big fella. He's, he's too big right now. By the way, the money. Here's the winning the title. 500000 for yep. the winning team. 200000 for making the final. 100000 for reaching the semifinals. And 50000 for making the quarterfinals. Uh, so, well, so they get 100000 for reaching the semifinals. Uh, the yep. Pelicans do. 
And the one caveat, two-way players on the roster only get half as much as those standard contracts. But look, man, for a two-way player, that's a good chunk of change. But you know what? Give them the money, too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're I making agree. all this money on this. Give them the money, too. Uh, before we get out of here, man, I wanted to um, point out that the Washington Wizards, again, 3-18. and 18, They lost tonight. They lost four games in a row. They lost to the uh, Brooklyn Nets by a final score of... 124-97, so they got rocked in Brooklyn. They're off for the weekend. They come here to Philadelphia. There's not much really to preview except for we hope the big fella is good to go for this game. That team still stinks. Yeah. No, there's pretty much every team, especially a, a, an Atlanta team without Trey Young, they all stink. We talked about that. I think they had like a 29-81 and 81 record over the stretch of eight games coming in. Uh, they're not playing a lot of high-level opponents right now. That's fine. You've got to Bank the wins, which so far they're 2-0. That's great. You know, fix whatever kind of kinks you have in your system. Get your rotation down. Get everyone on the same page. You finally got Embiid and Maxi healthy after they were, came down with that illness. You've got um, all your pieces in. Let's see what you have. Figure it out because the competition will get tougher here, especially once we head into the new year. But so far, so good. And we want to tell you about through the weekend. Got to hurry, folks, to Die Hard. Die Hard discount. Become a PHLY Die Hard at a discount right now. That's through the weekend. The sale is here. You get the available through the weekend. Get our Die Hard membership at $59.99. That's $20 slashed off that $79.99. And have access to events, articles from Kyle and Derek and Rich, Bo, Zach, Charlie O'Connor as well. Many things you get there. You saw the shirts there that Brianna put up on the screen. Take advantage of that. I think you, when you sign up with Die Hard, you get a free shirt, right? Yeah. You get a free shirt yep. in there as well so you can look like us. There's also an exclusive uh, hoodie that you can purchase, which I need to get my hands on. I've been bugging them for about two months now, and they have not acquiesced yet, but we will work on that. Put the pressure I mean, on I, I might have to sign up for my own freaking Die Hard to get this hoodie. I think so. I think so. Which one is it? It's it's not any of the three that's no, on No, it's got like the gray sleeves, and it's a, it's, oh, okay. it's a different one. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you get that. And you get to uh, be a part of the diehard. So go ahead, take advantage now through the weekend. Might be a nice gift for somebody for the holiday too, an early gift to make sure that you're all involved, all locked in. You get heads up on things like our takeover yep. next Friday and, yep. as well. Yep, yep. Uh, this was fun, man. They're always fun. Always, always fun. good hanging out with Devon. Yeah. And Especially we'll, when Kyle's not here. It's even better. See? And see, that's the good thing. The three months he had to deal with Kyle for all that <laughs> time. And even though I may not have deserved a Vegas trip, he, Derek does get away from Kyle and he gets to hang out with me for a little bit. But guess what? Kyle will be back next Wednesday or next Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday and Thursday. Yep. And, and Thursday and we'll, we'll, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, because it is a road game. Oh, it is a road game. So Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we thank a lot of people. Do, do you, you, are you going to do I'm the Kyle I'm not doing roll? the read. Uh, all right. I got to do the Kyle roll here <laughs> where we got to thank all these folks that are in there. All right. Let me get to it. Let me see how I can, how I can get to it with uh, some of the folks there. Some of the folks here. Uh, Vin Sanity, Ramish, thank you. Tempo 717. Also on the chat, we got Corey and Jay Bart, Rick. Who else do we have in here? Charles Bootzilla. Love that, that, that handle here on the Friday night. Money Mar, Julian C., Jake M., Frank, Kevin. We thank you, Liam, everybody. I, I see Derek in the chat. We thank Derek Bodner in the chat. Don't thank him. <laughs> and uh, Walter and so many. We appreciate you all, always checking in on the PHLY 
Sixers podcast and also hit, post game hanging out. Hit that subscribe button. If you're not, then you can join the chat and you can get Devon to shout out your name. Hit the bell icon so you get notifications of when we go live. We are doing this five days a week, including after every game. So come stop on by and talk some Sixers. Get those likes in there too, folks. And we get to hang out with you as always. Production excellence from Brianna. We thank Kyle from the arena. For Derek Bodner, I'm Devon Givens. We enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday for another post game against a lowly team that they better win against. Have a good weekend. We all silly like the mayor.